Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerja Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerja Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerja Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And welcome to our second episode of our new theme, Education, Empowerment, and Equity. And I'm excited for our guest this episode because she encompasses all of that. Let me introduce you to her. She is Shannon Jackson, and she is the people's nurse. She is a nurse, a nurse educator, and an entrepreneur, a coach, an author, and a media entertainment personality who is the host of a weekly inspirational podcast that has the mission to motivate, educate, and inspire others for living your life without limits. She has 30 years of leadership experience and has been a hospital administrator and now is the lead in a foundation and a movement that is impacting and changing lives. Shannon Jackson has built her leadership and mentoring reputation by collaborating with organizational leaders who want to develop their organization's talent, improve their productivity, and increase their bottom line. I think three things that everybody is interested in in this season. And through her individualized coaching program, she offers a variety of strategies and techniques to help clients pursue their goals. Shannon is going to unpack for us a conversation between her passion and also helping us understand how and why our health is our greatest form of wealth. So join me in welcoming to the flip side of adversity, Shannon Jackson. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Jackson, for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here and share the same last name and uh, enjoy the work that you have also done as well. So thank you again. It is my honor and privilege to be here with you and to your loyal fan base. Absolutely. And people are already jumping on and I know what they are absolutely excited about before we even start on the questions. Shannon has so generously sent several of her action plan journals. And if you follow me on social media, V Doc, I'm sorry, Doc V18 on Facebook, and I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson on IG, then you know if you are listening in and you send in either a question or you comment on content that Shannon is sharing this evening, you your name will be entered into a raffle to be able to receive one of these brilliant, bright, absolutely engaging action journals. And it's all about setting goals and taking action. And the cover mm-hmm. for our listeners says, go after it. Yes. And I know that many people, that's that's where people want to be. That's the energy that they want to be able to follow. So listeners, followers, social media, get your questions ready for the people's nurse. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So We talked about our conversation um, in preparation for this episode. And as we continue this theme of education, empowerment, and equity, I really am curious about for you, what's your perspective on why health is the most important wealth that someone can have? Thank you for that being the first question, because let's unpack that right now. First, I'm going to say it very simple. If you don't have your health, 
nothing else matters. Absolutely nothing mm-hmm. else. Health is the most important thing that we as individuals need to be more mindful of, more conscious about, and more caring of ourselves. Case in point, can we just go back a little bit to 2020? When COVID-19 hit, it shocked the entire country. But what it also did is unpack the importance of having healthy lifestyle as well as your body being in a stable state. Now, people that were physically fit and healthy suffered from COVID, but those that already had pre-existing comorbidities such as hypertension, diabetes, cancer, and other diseases fell to mortality or they died of a tragic way, or they ended up with severe disabilities. And some of them are continually to struggle from residual impacts of COVID. So it it affirmed what I already knew and many of us in the healthcare, how important it is that we are take ownership of our health and not just leave it to our healthcare providers. I so agree. And as I look at um, statistically, and I know you are in, um, you're in Los Angeles? I am. Yes. So you're in LA. And I do also, as I did my homework in preparation for our episode for a period in time, you were on the front lines as well as not only in LA, but I believe you came over into New York for a period in time as well. So you saw a great deal of what was happening straight from the front lines. And as you talk about the importance of our health being the most important form of our wealth, I um, also do a lot of work around trauma and understanding how trauma impacts the body and statistically looking at um, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and how the accumulated toxic stress, um, disparities in access, uh, life, the allostatic load that can often weigh on the life of others. As you talk about uh, understanding how important our health is, what would you say um, as we unpack the disproportionate numbers that health issues have impacted marginalized communities, um, whether it be COVID or hypertension or diabetes? What are some of your thoughts as the people's nurse on how and why this is such a huge issue for communities of color or just generally marginalized communities, those who are in poverty, um, who just don't have access? So um, there was a statistical study done by the Department of Health Services pre-COVID in 2018, and the data is out there, that 27.9% of minorities were impoverished, and it was a direct correlation to health disparity, 29% with African-Americans leading the pack, then Latinos being secondary to that. That's a significant amount of people. And what they found is that people that lived in uh, low-income communities, also not only from the communities in which they lived in that were impoverished, they did not have access to care easily and readily, because guess what? They were uninsured. So the correlation follows as this. We know for a fact, and those numbers are even more broader now, right? Now that Mm -hmm. was 2018, a huge study that was done. They broke it down by city by city, state by state. And these are overall arching numbers. Now it'll be interesting to see when they go back and really look at the impact of COVID as it relates to this. But Understanding that as the fundamental basis of that, most of our communities, low-income communities, socially challenged communities, they're uninsured. Mm -hmm. They have jobs that don't pay for insurance. 
And if they have to go for help or health, they go to public health facilities, which is also a deterrent for them wanting to go because there's lines upon lines upon lines. It used to be back in the day, because when I first came out as a pretty young thing at 22 (laughs) years old at the county, we used to have a sign up and say, plan to be here for the ER for 24 hours or more to be seen. Can you imagine? So for somebody, First of all, you're tired, you're ill, you're broke, you're in pain, you don't have insurance. Am I going to wait that long? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it may not be 24 hours today, but it's still a significant time. And then the people that see our patients in these hospitals, we are treated differently. Mm. So there is a gap. There's not just a gap with the social economics of it. It is also having access to care, ready access, not just care, quality care and people who care, who care, not just from a clinical competency, but from people that are compassionate and want to give care. And this is not, it is worse in the areas that are socially, economically challenged, but it happens to minorities all over. Mm-hmm. Oprah last year or earlier this year, she w- went on record saying how she had suffered a health scare. And because she was Oprah and a minority, the physician treated her differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I myself being a healthcare provider, true story. I was working in San Diego this year for a client in a affluent area. And I discovered, not like you should discover, all these years, I never had an allergy to food. And I thought, I want to be good. I want to be health conscious. And they had some low calorie mixed nuts, 100 calories for snacks. I said, I'm not going to take the cookies. I'm not going to take the chips. I'm going to be good. You're going to be good, girl. Within seconds, not minutes. Because I'm a healthcare person, I had a severe anaphylactic allergic reaction. So much so that it scared the people there. They said 911 will take forever. They drove me to the hospital. Mind you, I'm in an affluent Caucasian area. I'm black. All of them are white. The reaction was so bad, because I'm getting ready to go to a point, that I could not speak. I had no, no voluntary movement. I swollen, I was rash. So when they were trying to get me out of the car, I fell out the car. Wow. You know what they thought? I was drunk. Drunk. They thought I was on drugs. Yeah. And they're calling for help and nobody's coming until she said she's an administrator. She's one of us and a nurse. Help us. That's when everybody sprung into action. So what about a community with people that are on food stamps, social security, minimum wage jobs, housing projects, no insurance, the ability to get care and understand what they need to happen is a challenge. And you know what is powerful for me as I have watched um, both your podcasts as well as have um, followed your YouTube um, channels, you have stepped out and stood in the gap for hope for communities. And you are challenging all of us to recognize what can we do to support because in some in some of those areas, there are health um, professionals that are doing the best that they can, but they're burned out too, exactly. and they have lack a lack of resources, and they're trying to do the best that they can, but but they're also at the end of their rope, and you have challenged us to think more broadly and to focus on. Hope. So we have two minutes before our first break, but 
As we get ready for this break, I would love for you to be ready to come back to talk about street love because you're not just here to talk about what the problem is, exactly. but you actually have started to do something about it that the rest of us can absolutely begin to follow. So let me cue up our first um, break. We're going to, listeners, you're going to have an opportunity to hear uh, Shannon Jackson's commercial for her consulting business as that gets ready to queue up. But before we take that break, I do want our Philadelphia listeners to be aware of an upcoming conversation that Jefferson Collaborative for Health is hosting. It's a virtual workshop, Imagining a Healthier You. It is a blood pressure management and healthy living program that will um, air September 13th at 6 p.m. If you want more information on how to be a part of Imagining a Healthier You with Jefferson Collaborative for Health, I'd love for you to log into Frazier Family Coalition at jefferson.edu. Now, while we get ready to take this break, listen, our listeners, listen out for Shannon's commercial and how you can gain access to her services. And we'll be right back to continue our conversation on what is street love and how is Shannon Jackson challenging us to be a part of the solution and hope for others. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A motivational and health and wellness coach, certified nurse coach with Living Your Life Without Limits. So I coach all over the world, not just here in Belize, not just in the United States. People can call me all over and I do get calls and speak in person as well as online. So if anyone wanted to reach me, they can reach me through Living Your Life Without Limits. They can contact info at thepeoplesnurse.com. And I want to end with my signature sign-off that I say each week on my podcast. Remember, family, to love yourself. Take care of yourself. Because guess what? You're absolutely worth it. This is Shannon Jackson, The People's Nurse. If you're searching for the motivation Or you're needing that inspiration You got Shannon Jackson, the people's nurse She cares for you The White House doctor makes house calls Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to the flip side of adversity. We are having a conversation with Shannon Jackson, and she is the people's nurse. And as her platform shares, she desires to motivate others with the encouragement of living your life without limits. And we just unpacked some heavy statistics about the weight of disparity and how it has impacted many communities. But Shannon didn't stop at just watching or looking at the statistics or getting bogged down with hopelessness or helplessness. 
she created a movement and it's called Street Love. And so Shannon, can you tell us about Street Love and how it's actually cultivating hope? Yes, it is my love. <laughs> I, I, I love when people ask me about street love because I love it so much. So coming back from COVID, um, I actually went to New York, uh, fast forwarding there and worked in the front lines, as you had mentioned earlier. I left California, answered the governor's call and went to New York. Never been to New York before. And that was my first time there and seeing the devastating impact of what was happening to our community in New York. I said, no, it's time we have to do something because what we don't want to do is be victims, right? Right. The The playing field may never be equal, but we have to take control. We have to take ownership. So when I came back, I was driving in my car and the concept came about street love, having love for the streets, love for the communities, love for my people, love for urban communities. And I said, I want to get out there and give back to our communities education, information, and motivation. But we call it motivation because sometimes people got to be motivated. Then you can educate them and then you can inspire them to go forward. So it became a tagline, but most importantly, through street love, the goal, if you ever go onto the channel, you'll see the real where I, my endeavor is to go from city to city street to street, state by state, all across the country, spreading that information. And is going into these communities and being proactive and giving them the health and wellness messaging, as well as the resources they need around health and wellness, so that they can then take ownership and begin to provide better self-care and being informed. Because one of the things that I've found out with so many people, and this is not just racially, it's about people in general. Mm -hmm. We put all our confidence on the healthcare person and says, you fix me. And we take no ownership and accountability for what we need to do, right? And we don't wanna be victims. We wanna be co-partners in managing our health Yes. And to be co-partners, you have to be informed. You have to have education. You have to have the tools and the resources. So I used to run home health agencies for 10 years. And I'd go in when I first started into, into it. And I'd have people that was diagnosed with hypertension and diabetes. And the doctor would say, go home and take this. But they didn't know their numbers. They didn't know how to manage their numbers. They didn't know anything about really dying. No one sat down. I would go out of my own pocket and I'd go and just buy the stuff. And then when they all would want me to be their nurse, the nurse said, you stop buying stuff for them folks because we're not going to do it. But through Street Love, I created health and wellness boxes where I actually give out wellness journals that have things like Self practicing self care, making yourself a priority because self care is not just the thing to say, it is an action, a thing to do from your mental to your physical, not just taking a massage, which I love, and just sitting down and taking some me time. It is about taking care of your health, be it preventative if you're in a high risk category. Mm -hmm or maintaining yourself so it's under control. So in these wellness boxes, and they're different for different ones, some, they're blood pressure machines, thermometers, all kind of health devices that these people cannot buy for themselves, as well as information. And you, you collaborated with partners to be able to support that funding process. Any tips? In any in tips for those of us who are interested to 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 in the beginning I did this? it all myself. In wow. the beginning I did it all myself. Wow. To the point people said, Shannon, you're gonna go broke. <laughs> I'm just used to giving because I was in a church for 36 years before our church closed during the COVID time because our pastor had passed. And I used to give heavy in the church. And I said, instead of giving it one place, I want to give it to the community. So I would give it all myself. And then my team said, 
let folks help you, will you? Yes. And um, I did. And I created links for donations for people to give in there. And we're in the process of next year becoming a nonprofit. This is just me doing out of the generosity Mm. of my heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm still a very big giver of that. But I want to take it from city to city and state to state because there's such a need. We've done Compton. We've done Carson. We did a seniors event where we fed seniors. And one of the high risk areas for my seniors is false. And I talk about it in seniors. Yeah. A lot of times they don't want to lose their independence and go live with their kids or have their kids. Live with. They say, I didn't raise them. I'm tired. I want to live by myself. But the house has to be fallproof. Right. And what is correlated with that is medication management and medication safety. Because when you get older, your liver metabolizes anything you put in your body. But it slows down when you age. Your kidney excretes, it spits out everything, but it slows down with age. So some of our seniors are over-medicated with things and that attributes to false or they're double taking medication. So I gave out medication, so many things through street love. So we've gone through different places here in California. We went to Belize, I went to India. So I want to come to Philadelphia. I want to come to every state (laughs) and I want to collaborate. And fortunately, we started getting partners this year to say we want to be a part of that. If you go onto the YouTube channel and see Mm -hmm. Street Love, it will move you to tears. The things that we've done for different communities. And I just love it. I love it. I love seeing each one of the boxes that are uniquely designed for the community that you're in. Just as you shared, you each yes. box had a different theme to yes. it. Yes. And it it wasn't just fluff. It's very no. practical things that if we as uh, motivators, we as those who are change agents, people who are willing to step into the gap and not just talk about the problem, but become a part of the solution. First step, really understand what is the anchor need in a particular community and then be strategic about how can I tap into partners to be able to give something that's very specific based on the numbers that that community is um, is, is reported for that community. And I know one of the partners here in Philadelphia is um, the Jefferson um, Collaborative that has made a huge commitment um, to our Philadelphia community to really look at heart disease and diabetes and really understand the numbers. But I think if we're going to actually be strategic and not exhausted, what I love is you took specific blocks. It's exactly. not getting it's not getting overwhelmed with the entire exactly. the entire exactly. city. You went after strategic blocks and said, what does this block need? And you set up camp and mm-hmm. the people came. And partner with that community. Mm-hmm. So you can't go into the community and just figure out what it is, especially if you're not from that community. You need representatives from that community to help you so you can then customize what is needed for that community. Like I said, in Carson, I worked with a church there and they were are very active in that community. They do a lot of community work. And they said, our seniors are in trouble. This is what we need for here. In Watts, this needed that. Compton needed this. LA needed that one. This one needed that one. So Belize wanted this. India wanted that. So we want to do that. But it's a twofold process. It's us the people, that's the change agents, the people that have the voice, that have the tools and the resource, but it's also the individual embracing accountability. So it it, it has to work in tandem. It has to work hand in hand. And that's where teaching and spending time and talking about the importance of you want quality of life. And we want to give you the tools and resources that, yes, you have hypertension, but you can still have quality of life with hypertension. But it also helps you have to have self-management and you have to be informed. Mm 
So many times I have people, friends, family, previous clients. I have clients that have been off my books for years and they'll email me and call me about something that they have. How do I work this out, Jenny? You helped me so much with this. So let me refer somebody to you because they need answers and you have to know the tools. So when you're informed, you can then go to your healthcare providers and make sure you're getting the right resources you need. Now that's a tough topic for another day that when you go in, you need to be prepared so that you can make sure they give you enough care. Because I have many examples where people have gone to their doctors and they did not get the right care to start. And then when they had the information, the doctor changed because, or I said change doctors, because they were then coming in with information because they weren't managed them correctly because they were looking at them as a minority and, oh, you don't have nothing. But I think there's something really powerful in what you just said in recognizing that when we think about first getting educated and in our part one of Health is Your Greatest Wealth, we had Dr. Um, Deborah Witt here in Philadelphia talk and challenge about knowing your numbers. And you literally said the same thing. You've got to know your numbers. And with knowing your numbers, begin to advocate for yourself and ask the questions when you don't understand and continue to be empowered with that. Would you you agree? Oh, absolutely. Let me tell you one of the things that I give out in my wellness boxes in those areas that struggle with hypertension. I give a magnets with the numbers on the refrigerator to put on the refrigerator because who doesn't go in the refrigerator? Some of us go in a little bit too much, but we go to the refrigerator. So I have created custom magnets that we have and we give them out and they put them on the refrigerator that has your and they're color coded. I took them right from the American Heart Association, but created magnets for them so that we can give them to them for the refrigerator. So, you know, when you're high, when you're medium, when you're red flag and understand what those numbers mean to you so that you can be proactive and take take action. And in some of the journals that I gave, there's logs where you can write those things down. Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing. There's what we call trends. So you can anybody can have a high blood pressure for an incident of one day, maybe stress, maybe ate too much something salt or anything else kind of throw it off. But if you're constantly running that way, then that's a trend and something needs to be looked at further through testing or treatment management. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the level of stress and pressure, that not only um, are is the individual feeling, but also the the hospitals are feeling. Before we take this next break, I'm curious because your past, you have been an administrator in the health field on the front line in emergencies, in budget crisis, in staff shortages, and more. And as a hospital administrator, you have seen a lot over the span of 30 years. And people now, leaders, not just in the healthcare field, but I think overall, we all could use some advice around what are, what are some strategies or tools you would offer um, leaders who are feeling pressured right now, especially with there's being so much need, what are some strategies you would offer leaders for them to alleviate stress and be more productive? So it's great that you asked this question right now. I was just asked to submit at the American Nurse Leaders Organization an abstract on dealing with burnout. And I t- literally, I just submitted it um, a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I titled it From Burnout to Breakthrough, Let the Healing Begin. Mm. Yeah. And the area that I focused in on is meditation. Okay. And there's a lot of research on 
um, TM meditation, not just any meditation, but TM meditation being one thing that's very powerful. There's a lot of research and statistics on it and how, and I personally practice TM and how it not only balances you in your brain and relaxes your stress and improves your overall mood and health, but because you're more balanced and focused, it also improves your relationships and connections. I think what I would say to leaders today, if we have enough time for me to finish addressing mm-hmm. this, that it is important, first of all, to breathe. And I think that the task of leaders is insurmountable because some of my clients are healthcare leaders and they've become I'm the, the client for service and then I'm the free coach on the side. <laughs> Because you're there, what are you going to do, right? You're going to nurture. And I think, one, we have to allow ourselves permission to be vulnerable and embrace each other and create environments where it's okay to cause healing. The environment now is so taxing and so demanding Everyone is trying to up on one another, antagonistic, trying to get very task oriented, where before we go into something, why don't we open it up with positivity as a whole? When you do your debriefings, I I covered for the CEO for two weeks because he had to go to Europe. I said, I'm the consultant, but he said, I want you to cover I opened his meetings differently than he normally opened. He normally go, all right, here's the agenda. Here's what's going on, blah, 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 blah. The first one I opened, I opened with, I said, let's take a few minutes, close your eyes, let's take some deep breathing. Let's breathe. Let's recenter ourselves. People said, made a difference. The second meeting I opened, I said, tell me something that you're grateful for. Thankful for bringing it back to what really matters. Because guess what? Rome wasn't built in a day. So if I can get leaders to first slow down, don't be so hard on yourself. Learn to prioritize. And y'all support each other, not fight back each other. You don't have, I I rose to the top being, as I said, a pretty young thing at the age of 23. (laughs) not having to prove anything, but be who I am. And when you embrace that and embrace your people, learn your people, understand the employee's strengths and weaknesses. How many of them actually talk to the people? Not talk at them, Mm. not talk Mm -hmm. around them, not talk about them, but talk to them to find out what's their triggers, what moves them, what motivates them, what inspires them. Pull that out. If you did a poll on me for people that worked for me in the past, Lord, they blow your phone up. <laughs> I mean it seriously. And I'm yeah. not being an ambassador because I'm very pro understanding how to move people and then make them more productive because they're human. They're not robots. So I think the environment needs to change. We got to get away from it being so task oriented and go back to it being human oriented where there's living and feeling and breathing individuals and let's talk and work it out and not talk at each other but work through things but create an environment that allows for healing to be in we've created beautiful aesthetic places we got healing gardens healing water We got all the chapels looking beautiful, but those are symbols. When we communicate with each other, Lord, don't get me to start preaching on this thing. (laughs) When we talk to one another, how am I communicating to my brothers and my sisters and my colleagues and my bosses and my employees? How am I nurturing an environment that somebody want to thrive in? Or am I beating them down when they already broke down? Do I understand mental health and break times and bringing the environment together 
Or is it just something that we talk about and we put it on a mission statement? Mm -hmm. And that's where I come in. Yeah. And that's why I'm busy. I'm booked and busy. I feel that. I feel that. And I because know every... people see something different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they want something different. Yep. And they yeah. say, come and, come, and, come and change the atmosphere in my place. Lord, mm -hmm. have mercy. <laughs> that's when I really thrive. Y'all, you know let me what? stop here because I may yeah. take us to another level. And, but, they, and they don't want that yet. Y'all open it up to the what? people for questions. Let them come on in and ask us some questions. I love the, the fact that it, because I literally left a meeting today talking with a colleague about how afraid people are to actually talk with one another when that's the actual thing that will get us to a healthier place. But just as you shared, as leaders, we need to first be grounded. We need to be willing to be vulnerable. We need to be willing to understand and know our people. What are their needs? What are their triggers? And then being willing to sit and have a conversation. People want to be seen and then actually focus more on being human than just running tasks. And in the end, when you shift that environment, the fear of falling behind will fall away when we are actually seeing one another, we'll end up becoming more productive in the end. Absolutely. Well, we have another break we, we need to take. And again, listen out, our listeners on the radio, listen out for Shannon's commercial as it plays. And when we come back in our last segment, I want to hear about birthing a new promise. This is Shannon's conference that is coming up at towards the end of the month. And how does a hospital, very successful hospital administrator, leave that position to start a movement and foundation of living your life without limits? How does she make that shift? You stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, you know what? We'll keep talking then. Don't don't go to break. We share some great stuff. We will keep on talking. <sighs> so, Shannon, you were a very successful health um, hospital administrator, and you decided to step away from that career and start living um, your life without limits which is your foundation and your platform um, and your coaching service. Mm -hmm. How and why would you walk away from a successful career? What, what was happening? Just to put it in perspective, my base pay was $250,000 a year, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. plus car allowance and benefits and things like that. But I was unhealthy. I was tipping over 350, almost closer to 400 pounds. I was working. I was very good at my job, but everybody was picking up their purses and going out and everything. And because I was good and I was a minority female, black, running things, counterparts would all leave it all to me. And I was working anywhere from 16 to 18 hours a day. I would work the weekends, miss all the holidays and stuff. And I was overweight and overworked. And people say, that's a lot of money, but not for what I was doing. And one day I had an aha moment and two things came to me. The scripture charity begins at home, then spreads abroad. And that I took the Lord giving it meaning me taking care of me. That charity was me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love yourself like you love your neighbors. I was loving everybody, giving everybody. We was killing the game, doing things, meeting every expectation, doing all kinds of great things, but I, myself. So the living your life without limits started because of me making a personal mission that I wanted to live my life without limits and not make me a priority. First and foremost, my health, my health. Before I get out of here too early. 
So if you look at, I, I, I should have had my team send you a before and after picture. I've aged backwards compared to what I, I looked love that. that. Day. I've aged backwards. <laughs> I love People that. look at me now and they look at me then and they say, who is that? We, we did a thing on our social media and showed a picture of me then and a picture of me now and I've aged backwards. And I love it. More healthier, more conscious. So I'm not telling people something that I didn't start. This mm-hmm. started with me. Mm-hmm. dropping over a hundred and some pounds and working with trainers now and still continuing to go on this journey. So it wasn't something that was a quick, quick ready and get done, but taking that and saying, there's a lot of people like me and then doing what I love. So in my role, you have to do the business things. That's just part of the job. You're going to be an executive. You're going to have to do those things. But the part that I loved was the motivating the educating, the mentoring and building leaders where everywhere I went, people were able to move up and promote up. And I'm mama to a whole lot of folks in healthcare. So I said, let me make a business model what I enjoy doing and I love doing. And if I'm going to spend time, it's not going to feel like work. And then I can own the time and yet take care of myself and then do what I love to do and impart in other people. And that's how I made the transition. But it was first out of need to take better care of myself. When I listened to, there was a powerful nugget. Uh, everything you've said, um, absolutely, I know, is enriching um, the hearts and the minds of those who are listening. But something really jumped out for me as you were talking, because I feel like people ask me this question often. And you said, I recognize the leadership things that I needed to do. But you focused on what was it in your current job that you loved that really gave you life. And then you found a way to take that thing from that part of your career and create your day-to-day platform, impacting street, street love conferences. You took the, you identify what is it in this that I love that I now can monetize, motivate, and move other people with. And I love that because I feel like people sit in a place of fear so often because they haven't thought about the possibilities of monetizing what you already do that you love. There's a scripture in the Bible that says your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. And I, when I talk to people all the time, and, and like you, we're, we're meeting with people individually or groups or, or various things. And when people talk about, well, what I want to do, I always ask, well, what is it first you enjoy doing? What is your skill? What do you enjoy doing? Because just wanting to do what someone else is good at, I may not be good at. I may be okay to get by. But what am I passionate about? Turn your passion into if those of you that are looking to go into entrepreneurship or something of that of that nature, you can take what you're passionate about and actually good about and create a business out of it where it doesn't feel like it's business. So I cook out of duty or I have to eat. Who's going to cook if I don't? But I'm not passionate about cooking. So I would never individually go into a catering business. Now, projects and people and relationships and pouring into people. That's my jam. That's my thing. You know what I mean? I can do it all day, every day. Come on, let's get it and make it happen. But I love it. And I'm good at it. So you find what it is that you enjoy and you already have skills. And you may have to add and strengthen those skills. Like I went and got certified as a nurse coach and build up things that will make you more marketable. So none of us have it all. And as you go along, you build your skills and talent through exercising it. So that's what I did with my platform. And I encourage each and every one of them. And as we're talking about the area of health and wellness, let me circle it back there. Mm -hmm. You may just start off today, in which I hope you do, with Dr. Jackson's platform, saying that I'm going to now make my health a priority. Nobody expects you to be an expert today, but by starting, and I'd be happy to do offline and do a group session with you for some folks 
to work with them. How do we get there? Mm -hmm. I'll do that because I want to see results. I'm also a CDC certified teacher for pre-existing diabetes, where you do coaching to help people not develop diabetes. I love to partner with you and others. How can we help people where they are take the baby steps, but when you're consistent, right? Mm -hmm. You'll strengthen that area and you'll become an expert and you'll get the outcomes and the results that only benefit you health-wise, but give you joy as well. So we are um, at the close of our time together. I cannot believe how fast this hour went by. Before we close out, I want you to tell us about when and what Birthing a New Promise is. Tell us, we've got like one minute. September the 24th, Saturday, we have an all-day workshop, Birth in a New Promise. It's called It's Your Time Now. And it's us speaking into the lives of people through motivating, educating, and inspire them to take ownership. And we have some great vendors as well as speakers. I'm one of the keynote speakers. And we got funny man, Larry Lala, uh, entertainer, comedian, celebrity that's going to entertain the people. But it's all about getting people prepare to embrace and take that leap and move out of fear. Yes, I love that. Fear cannot hold us hostage. And when we have people like Shannon Jackson, who is who is so passionate about providing you with opportunities for living your life without limits, this has been a power packed flip side of adversity conversation. And I hope that you will share this with someone else and come back again next week, same time, same place, right here on the flip side. We will see you then. Thank you so much for having me. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veardra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veardra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.